Welcome to Genia Conversations, Redefining Healthcare. I'm your host, Andrea Durkin. Today, my guest is Hamp Hampton. He's the Chief Revenue Officer of Catalyst. We're discussing health plans, behavioral health, and telehealth. If you enjoy our conversation, follow us wherever you get your podcast to learn more about Genia and how technology and analytics are improving healthcare. Let's get started. So welcome, Hamp. What inspired you to join Catalyst in the midst of a pandemic? That is a really good question. Um, one of the things that uh, was intriguing about that was the conversation I had with Mark, who's the founder and CEO of Catalyst. Um, I was very intrigued about his uh, origin story of working in Salesforce, uh, being in charge of large projects, getting the idea that there was a gap in where Salesforce and all the app exchange companies sat in that ecosystem and forged that on his own, had the courage to start building um, apps for other companies who wanted to interface with Salesforce and then turn that into a business. And then from there, he realized there was more to it. Oh, I can also build my own apps that can live and breathe in the ecosystem. So he saw a white space for that and started with one app and then built it into two and then three and then four. And now we have five apps on the app exchange. I was very intrigued about it. Second was his humbleness about the fact that he's a tech guy. He has never built and scaled a company before and he needed somebody to who had done it before to help him do that. And he was very clear. He said, Ham, I need somebody to scale the business big and do it fast. And you've done it before. Can you come and help me? How do you collaborate with Salesforce? One of the things that is interesting about Salesforce is that you've got this behemoth of a company that competes globally with the number one CRM platform that they have been known by. But what people don't understand is there's service cloud, there's marketing cloud, there's health cloud. So there are a number of opportunities in certain verticals where Salesforce says, we're going to back this powerful engine that we have built as a CRM and into iterating data. Because what they really do is they're a massive digital warehouse of moving data very rapidly from point A to point B. But when you get this data, you have to be able to do something with it to create workflows and efficiencies. And that's where companies like Catalyst come into play. We take that ability, what Salesforce does, and put a harness on it and deliver results. I think of it as uh, Salesforce is a V12 high performance engine, and we're a turbocharger on top of the V12 to make it perform even better. There was a news release out in earlier this year about how Genia and Catalyst and Salesforce are collaborating. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Salesforce, as I've already mentioned, is this powerful tool that has been able to come into the healthcare industry and, and render certain outcomes based on just the voluminous volume of data for patient information, member information that they can process. With Genia, they take a very, very critical part of the healthcare ecosystem, which is around how do we get information in a timely fashion before it becomes a huge problem and make decisions based on a social determinants viewpoint with data. And that takes taking the data, analyzing the data, giving the analytics to people who can then make care plan decisions. So where we come in is that if 
Salesforce is the engine. Jania is the facilitator to go out and find data on members and bring it back. Then we take that information and automate care plans and workflows for a payer to be able to get ahead of, let's say, when, when COVID hit, or let's get ahead of, in the case of um, COVID has also done another thing, it's surfaced a, a very large problem where you have people that have comorbidities and mental health. And so it's able to then take that and say, we need to have a care plan for that particular type of member, patient, consumer audience that's different or in the case of behavioral health in and of itself, or in the case of other things. So that's how the three of us really work together. As you know, Americans have relied heavily on telehealth during the pandemic for mental health. Um, and in fact, just in January, psychotherapy became the most common telehealth procedure. And I know you recently had a conversation with Dr. Jose Casada of Salesforce and payers about behavioral health and telehealth. And I wonder what insights were shared. Historically, people have either been treated in a mental health condition or they've been treated in terms of some kind of medical condition, let's say hypertension. And now through telehealth, the physicians and the payers can now have the ability to have a 360 view of the entire patient. So now you know that if somebody has hypertension, maybe they didn't take their prescription for their mental health challenges because it was upsetting them and there was a counterbalance to what they were doing, or they didn't take their meds for whatever reason, maybe it was money, and therefore this has had a profound effect on their behavior because of that. So now it gives them a viewpoint to be able to diagnose it and, and get treated. The big thing with telehealth is a driver to be able to have impact with physicians for them to cover more patients in a very expeditious way without taxing them at the same time, giving patients a real connected feeling so they don't feel like it all happens in 10 minutes when they wait 45 minutes to see the physician and then it's only 10 minutes and then they feel like they're underserved. Um, the other thing that this does is it speeds up the ability to diagnose um, early in the game. And so you can jump on different outcomes that you determine what's going on with a member or a patient. Um, and that prevention, that ability to look at something before it becomes a crisis is so important. And that's where these, these venues of telehealth um, have automated workflows that can back that up and then being able to deliver information to people to look at it. Because the other thing was happening before was, let's say you come to me in my example, I'm an internist, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And then there was never really a follow-up that I knew what happened or those records didn't sit in the same place that I had a complete view when I saw you the next time. A lot of those examples are where data, analytics, and the ability to have care plans that can be automated take the manual part of it where things can be missed and you can have much more access to real-time data that can make really good clinical decisions that can facilitate care better for members with better outcomes. You know, I imagine payers are being challenged because there's an increased demand for mental health services. Did you get any insight about how payers are meeting that challenge? One of the things that's going on is obviously they, they have had an explosion of inquiries. You know, several payers we've talked to have had several thousand percent increase in inquiries, you know, because of the pandemic. So one of the things that that, that unique situation 
forced them to do was to be able to have a triage mechanism of when you come in, what happens, one, get you categorized of one of these three categories, B, is there underlying comorbidity that's also in play here? And then see what's going to be the treatment protocol. So automating that process is what they knew they had to do in order to um, take care of this surge in demand for those services. The other thing is on the provider side, um, there's a scarcity of providers for behavioral health. So that's one of the things that systemically challenged a lot of payers. So being able to have a user experience for the providers in behavioral health is really important. Second, to give them the ability to have information that they can see across the entire landscape of that patient is also important and follow up. So again, having the ability to have workflows that are as automated to take out some of the friction is gonna get better engagement for the providers, which means they're gonna update the records in a more expeditious way. There's gonna be more follow-up, things don't fall through the cracks. And so the members are ultimately getting better service. The payer is eliminating and reducing, a lot of cases, readmissions. Um, maybe in the case of substance abuse, maybe in the case of other things that happen when you have the population of comorbidity and mental health, as I said earlier. So a lot of these things are, are really um, things that the payers have recognized. They've got to have a plan that's automated, that is prolific, that engages the providers and gives them the ability to move very quickly because they're overwhelmed by the inquiries. Are providers responding positively to these changes? They are, because I think if you look at everything from a prior auth or appeals and grievances and denials, all those different things that preclude providers from going forward and trying to facilitate care uh, has been eliminated. And there's much more of a seamless and quicker response to them to, to get that what insurance plans that they take, what scheduled fees are that they can negotiate, um, and how they respond to follow-ups as it relates to them getting paid. And I think that's that's really important. And how about, you know, payers' adoption of technology to solve these problems? Do you think you'll see more of that? There will be an unprecedented amount of investment made in the next two or three years on technology because of, one, the the educated consumer um, is demanding it because uh, they go online and do their own research. Um, and, you know, I can't tell you how many physicians we talk to that people come in with printouts and printouts and printouts of information they've gotten from different sources online. Some of it, okay. Some of it, not okay. But the point is they're educated. Number two, there is a demand for um, not wanting to be um, scripted just for the purposes of putting a Band-Aid over that, but let's get to the core issues of what do these symptoms represent and what is actually going on here. So treating the, the patient in a very holistic 360 way, um, diet, nutrition, um, you know, exercise, uh, what they do for a living, all these social determinants come into play here. Um, I think also the more information they have, the better they are at facilitating care. So what we're able to do is say to technology is technology can, can take the speed of data, move it to places that you need to make critical decisions in a timely manner. Also give you data in the format and the dashboard you need to make very good decisions. So it's both. Well, was there anything else you wanted to share from the roundtable that came out of that? I think the um, 
The idea of what success looks like for a contemporary pair and looking at the next five years of how they're going to deliver services is um, you think about the two constituencies, providers and you've got members. So for the providers, we've talked about uh, taking out the friction of being able to deal with the payer. Uh, there's a number of different initiatives that are going on to facilitate that. Number two, from the standpoint of the member, is they have an omni-channel access. They, they can pick up the phone. They, they can go on the web. They can pick up the, the phone and call. And so you've got mobile, you've got web, you've got uh, a call center. So they're fully engaged. It isn't something that happens once or twice a year that's on a regular basis. So for them to get access to information without having to wait, without having to wait three months where something deteriorates is really important. What we have to do in America to, to do our part as consumers is we got to take ownership of what we can do to control our own health. And then we can't blame the system because we decide to eat, you know, a 12 pack of donuts every Friday and then expect to be healthy. But in addition to that, if we do have chronic illnesses that um, compromise our systems, you know, immune deficiencies, et cetera, that through no fault of our own, we need to be able to have the ability to get to the bottom of that and treat that. And I think that's where this information and technology are drivers to get people to that place where we can determine what's going on we can calibrate a work plan, we can automate that, they're not lost in the cracks, and we also give providers as much information in a timely fashion to make critical decisions at the point of care. Because the whole idea here is to prevent as much as we can, not treat the illnesses after the fact, but getting ahead of it. And I think that's where technology is gonna help payers do that. Thank you to Hampton and to you for joining us. If you enjoyed our discussion and want to hear more like it, subscribe to Genia Conversations on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The views, information, or opinions expressed by the guests of Genia Conversations Redefining Healthcare are their own and do not necessarily represent the policy or position of Genia LLC. Many thanks for listening. <laughs>